2: Welcome back to the War Room. It's Natalie Winters, Annabella Rockwell, and Captain Bannon still holding down the fort. We, we haven't been fired yet, even though there really used to be no women in the War Room, but in keeping with that spirit, before we get to the wonderful story uh, of Annabella's life and all the horribleness that the rogue left can inflict on you. We're going to take a quick detour to, I'm sure, the War Room audience's favorite country right now that's actually $2 billion richer as of yesterday, and that is, of course, Ukraine. And if we have time in the end of the show, I think we have Congress Uh, Ben Boebert joining us soon. We'll talk uh, about some new revelations about the documents, the FD1023 form and uh, the corrupt pay-for-play scheme that the Biden family, let me rephrase, the Biden criminal enterprise is engaging in. But Before we get back to Annabella, uh, I believe we have Jason Jones, if I'm correct, joining us to talk. My producer didn't really tell me uh, what exactly you're doing in in Ukraine, but maybe you can tell both me and the War Room audience uh, what is up and why they should care.
1: Well, the volume is a bit low on on your end, guys. I run an organization, the Vulnerable People Project, and so we stand with communities facing genocide, democide, and war. Um, Just last week, we lost an employee in Sudan rescuing 800 Christians. And then two days two days ago here in Ukraine, one of our partners lost his foot um, removing landmines. But I'm in Ukraine at the invitation of the Catholic Church. They had a massive pro-life event. Uh, Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Ukrainians from around the country came uh, to stand up for their values because they feel as if they're fighting a two front war. They have um, Russia, the Russia-China access brutalizing them through propaganda and, of course, Um, the unrelenting violence that we're seeing from the East. And we have the LGBT slash globalists treating, you know, tying all support, trying to make them a marionette state for their values. I see this as Poland, 1939, just a new business model. What's been amazing for me, I've been in Ukraine several times since uh, the invasion, and it's really very conservative. Unlike what you see now, they have elites just like our country. They have a diversity of opinions, but it's a very strong, very conservative country. At this rally, at this event that I went to this week, we had rabbis, we had orthodox um, bishops we had, or patriarchs, we had Catholic bishops. And what was really surprising to me is that how their speeches and every presentation was strongly committed to defending life. Now I'm in Ukraine in June, I'm in Kyiv right now. I've seen one rainbow flag in Kyiv and that was at the Canadian embassy. Um, that's the only rainbow flag I've seen. So the people of Ukraine, as they're fighting for their life against Russia, they are at the same time seeing that if, if they're going to get the support to defend themselves from Russia, they have to sell out their values and their cultures to the West. And what a horrible place for them to be.
2: Jason, I'm just curious because I think a lot of this talk about the Ukraine conflict, it focuses primarily, at least in in American political lexicon, on the Ukrainian oligarchs in the sense that a lot of the animosity that I think that the American people have towards these ridiculous foreign aid packages or these uh, pay-for-play schemes that we see going on with the Biden family, right? The Ukrainian people aren't, really seeing much of that benefit. It's sort of staying at the top, right? The oligarchs are are skimming it off the top and, and who knows what. Like Steve always said, something doesn't smell right there. But I think there's an interesting parallel to what you see going on here in the United States. In other words, the regular average working people, they're not buying the propaganda, the sort of woke, alternative LGBTQ, not even progressive. It's a step beyond that, but ultra progressive agenda when it comes to the social issues. So you know, Obviously, you can draw it back all the way to 2014 when you see the Maidan revolution and you see the United States government has always been pumping a certain agenda when it comes to Ukraine. But it seems like the Ukrainian people aren't really buying it, at least from, from, from what you're saying. So hit us again just with what exactly is going on there and how the Ukrainian people, have how this not sort of cash it. diplomacy, yeah.
1: Not only are they not buying it, they're feeling oppressed by it. And, you know, here's the real problem. We have the globalists, NATO, United States, seeing Ukraine as a means to an end. Meanwhile, their women are being raped, their men are having their legs blown off, um, children are being born in in bunkers. Uh, So, yeah, of course, the United States, NATO, has always had an interest in Ukraine, but we can look back to Russia. Russia has been brutalizing Ukrainians forever. It was Lenin that decriminalized abortion, the first uh, USSR decriminalized abortion, but only for Ukrainians. We had the Holodomor famine, uh, which was one of the most uh, brutal acts of democide, if not the most brutal act of democide in the history of the United States and the history of the world. So you have the CCP Russia axis of evil with this unlimited friendship deal. And the people of Ukraine are just like they, they remind me of I run a lot of national political campaigns. You come here and they sort of just remind you of folks from most parts of Illinois or most parts of Wisconsin. And then you have your Madison, you have your Madison's and you have your Milwaukee's. Um, But then on top of that, then you just have the most powerful interests in the world meddling in your life. And that's why I founded my organization, the Vulnerable People Project, leading up to the invasion of Iraq, because I knew when we invaded Iraq, those ancient Christian communities would be decimated um, if we didn't finish the job and left. And that's exactly what we saw. If not for the election of of Trump, um, we would have seen the genocide of Christians in Iraq complete. And that's why, as I was waiting to come on the show and I saw all this talk about being precinct captains, if you really want to stand with Ukraine, we have to take back the White House. Uh, I was in Iraq um, with the Peshmerga as they were battling against ISIS. Obama called them the JV team, and they were actually the JV team but the JV team eradicated Christian communities that had been there since the first century. The JV team of ISIS um, almost completely eradicated the Yazidis, the proto-Semitic people that Abraham himself came out of. Um, So uh, our national elections impact regular folks. So Ukrainians were saying, what can we do to battle against the LGBT? What can we do to battle against the globalists? And I said, really? That's our job. They're like, what can we do to battle against the Russian propaganda that's filling the minds of Americans? Well, really, that's our job. There's there's nothing they can do other than really try to express to the world their values. Um, But they're being told, if you don't make this change, if you don't make that change, you're not going to get the support you need not to be overrun by a country that you have to remember. Russia has an unrelenting history of brutalizing the people of Ukraine an unrelenting history. And we're seeing that right now. I'm in Kyiv, every night the missiles are coming. And if it wasn't for the US support, they would be falling on civilians. I was in um, a pregnancy center for women, the women whose husbands are off at war. And every night they have to go into the bomb shelter. And I'd asked, have any children been born in the bomb shelter? And they said 800 children have been born you know, in the bomb shelter and the, the time that, you know, you don't have to go uh, to the bomb shelter for very long. You get the all clears. I'm lucky that I'm a sound sleeper because every morning I wake up and I said, hey, we didn't have an alert last night. And my friends were like, yeah, you're the only one not in the bomb shelter. You were sound asleep. So uh, I'm grateful that I, I'm a sound sleeper. But I think that the, the, the war to defend the child in the womb is intimately linked uh, to the war to defend the innocent around the world. And we see in the United States, this is very hard for us to listen to as Americans, our elite, Planned Parenthood, the LGBT funded by Americans, they are imperialists, they are colonialists, and they are spreading these ideologies of evil around the world. So when I hear American conservatives say this or that about the, the people of Ukraine, that's not the people of Ukraine. Uh, the people of Ukraine are the victims of this globalist agenda just as they are victims of Russia's war of aggression. So you have this country uh, where the people, the regular folks um, are being brutalized. You have Russia destroying their physical borders and you have the globalists obliterating their spiritual and cultural borders.
2: It's very similar to the Chinese Communist Party, right? There's a difference between the regime and the people and frankly, the people they rule over, their subjects, are some of the most oppressed people. I think the I really dark take is when you realize though. that I'd there's, there's
1: this- a big difference. The big difference. Is it's not the CCP that's waging this war against their culture; it's Western organizations like Planned Parenthood and the LGBT groups. So you you have now, of course, they have their allies inside Ukraine, um, but you have Russia brutalizing them from the east, absolutely brutal. My organization and our partners remove landmines. There are millions and millions of landmines in schools and flower gardens and parks everywhere with no strategic value. And they will never get rid of all these landmines, never. Um, And then you have organizations that are funded by our federal government and by our neighbors that are breaching their cultural and spiritual borders. And that's why be a precinct captain. We need to win this election. You know, if Trump didn't win in 2020, there would have been a complete ethnic cleansing of the Yazidi. If we don't win this next election, uh, we'll see the Uyghur obliterated. Thanks be to God, the Trump administration designated it as a genocide. And the Biden administration has done to make that genocide designation anything but meaningless. And this war in Ukraine will escalate. It will be catastrophic. First, right now, everything we fear for our families is happening to the the regular people of Ukraine. And so this election uh, is very important, of course, not just for us and our posterity, but it's very important for the people around the world. And um, we have to defeat the CCP Russia axis of evil.
2: It's a spiritual war for sure. Jason Jones, if people wanna stay up to date with what you're working on, follow you and support your work, where can they find you?
1: Our website is thegreatcampaign.org. We stand with the most vulnerable communities in the world when the world is left, from defending Christians in Nigeria, the Uyghur and Chinese occupied East Turkestan, and the people of Ukraine from uh, Russia aggression, and my podcast, The Jason Jones Show.
2: Jason, thank you so much for joining us. You know, it's funny, one of the first actions that the Biden regime took Actually, on Inauguration Day, not only did they erase the State Department website and listing the Chinese Communist Party as a threat, they deleted a special website that the Trump administration had created, specifically chronicling all the genocidal details of what the Chinese Communist Party was doing to the Uyghurs really makes you think. And maybe a day after the $5 million wire hit the Biden crime family's bank accounts, one of the 20, oh wait, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Although, honestly, I'm probably not. We got about a minute and a half before we got a jump to break. We still have Annabella Rockwell here. We might have Congressman uh, Anna Paulina Luna joining us shortly. and Bobert and maybe Dave Walsh because... Young Women's Leadership Summit, you got to have Dave Walsh on, but Annabella, I want to link this to what you were talking about before, how you felt that your faith was under attack when you went to college, obviously, at different levels and gravity in terms of what's going on in, in Ukraine, but when you hear these stories about what the United States government doing, is doing or not doing to help defend Christians across the world, does it make you think that what you experienced when you were in college is sort of part of a, a bigger and broader push
3: to really undermine the importance of religion and God in people's lives? Think about how many times in the last few years you've been told to trust the science. Okay? You step on any college campus and it is trust the science. You are too smart to believe in God. You are too educated. There's no way that there's possibly a higher power than ourselves. We are our own gods. Of course it's a greater plan, without a doubt. It's how I became controlled. It's how we control, I think, all the youth of America. I was turned into a social justice warrior and i ended up going and working on democratic campaigns i was actually an organizer on the hillary clinton campaign in 2016 and jason spoke a bit about you know the ground game and democrats are so good at this about reaching people talking to people and it's totally a bigger plan and We've created idols like AOC, Nancy Pelosi. I mean, I worship Rachel Maddow.
4: <laughs> we forgive you. We Please. do. You want to take us out? So will you stay with us through the next block? And we will have uh, Congressman Ana Paulina Luna calling in next block. Please stay tuned with us. We are here in Dallas at YWLS, the Young Women's Leadership Summit um, with Turning Point USA. And Natalie and I will be speaking later. But we will be back momentarily here in the... Okay, imagine
0: you're at your doctor's office. Your doctor glances up from the chart and says, and I quote, Hey, whatever you're doing, keep it up, end quote. Now, that's the Field of Greens better health promise. Check out this customer testimonial. He said, and I want to quote here, I've been taking Field of Greens, and this is the second time my doctor has danced into the room praising my blood results. Credit where credit is due. Thanks, Field of greens. End quote. Now, each fruit and vegetable and field of greens was medically selected for a specific health benefit. Some support vital organs like heart, lungs, and kidneys. Others support meta- metabolism for healthy energy and weight loss. If you're busy, if you don't get enough exercise, if you eat too much fast food, take field of greens. Look, field of greens can't promise your doctor will dance into your room. But they can promise at your next checkup, your doctor will notice you improve health or you get your money back. Let me repeat that. You get your money back. I trust Field of Greens for my health, and you can too. Let me get you started with 15% off. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code Bannon. That's fieldofgreens.com, promo code Bannon. Take action today. Use your agency, fieldofgreens.com, promo code Bannon and get the better health promise.
1: your host, Stephen K. Bannon.
5: You're bringing
4: We are back here in Dallas at YWLS, here in the War Room, and we have joining us Congresswoman Anna Paulina Luna. so my question for you, how do you feel with this indictment that came down yesterday? What are your feelings about this?
6: Um, Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Right before I actually came home, the FBI decided to allow members of oversight to see the document. You know, Maureen, we were actually in, in the process of holding the director of the FBI in contempt of Congress. And so, of course, same day that we see the document that literally says and has, you know, testimony that Joe Biden and his son each received separate five million dollar transactions from a foreign um, entity while Joe Biden was literally in the White House um, as vice president. Then they decide to indict President Trump. So I don't think it's by mistake. However, I mean, I see this stuff happening and I do have hope. I don't think President Trump will be charged. Uh, we know that that hearing is going to take place on Tuesday, but it is pretty crazy. I mean, Biden had classified documents. Clinton's had classified documents. Obama had classified documents. The only person getting charged is Trump. Meanwhile, the documents that he had are totally separate. And from my understanding, they were declassified before he left office. So it's just, it's a, it's a crazy thing to kind of see. But I think the entire country realizes that this administration is insanely corrupt. The Biden, um, presidency is a complete sham. And ultimately, you know, we're going to continue doing what we're doing on oversight. We're sending out subpoenas this week, and we'll see how it evolves. But I think that, you know, what we're seeing right now is ground for impeachment. And I'm not just saying that because Biden's a Democrat. If a Republican was doing this, I'd say the same thing. Um, this is really just us holding our elected officials accountable, and what he did was wrong. It was corrupt. <sighs>
2: Congresswoman, again, thank you so much for joining us. And before we let you go, I I have two two questions, really. One, what's the status uh, of your efforts to censor Adam Schiff? I know the war room posse is very enthralled with that whole effort.
6: (laughs) Well, I'm sure you guys will see this week. As you know, last week um, we kind of um, had some stuff taking place. So the floor was not active. It actually shut down midweek. But we will be back in session, from my understanding, next week. And as soon as that happens, you guys will have to stay tuned for that censure. I can tell you that when I went to a a conference, actually last week, and I talked to some of my colleagues, I said, just real quick, show of hands. There's maybe about 80 people in the room. I said, who here likes Adam Schiff? And no one raised their hand. I was like, perfect. I expect you all to vote um, to censure him when I bring it to the floor. So that'll happen.
2: I don't care what the sample size was, uh, those results are most <laughs> definitely accurate. <laughs> One yes. last question, too, just on the whole 10, 1023 form, the mole, uh, which you've really been leading the way, not just on viewing these documents, but really getting that information out to the American people. What is the latest in terms of viewing the document, the information, the FBI complying with you guys, the redactions, all of these you know, wonderful uh, stonewalling attempts coming out from, I'm pretty sure they said they were going to be the most trans transparent administration. We like to call them a regime, but the most transparent administration history. Something tells me they're not living up to that moniker.
6: Well, I mean, like you saw, we basically were about to charge the director of the FBI with contempt of Congress. And, you know, that doesn't mean that we still won't do it. It just means that right now it's a temporary pause. And that was uh, that decision was made by Chairman Comer, who's head of House Oversight, But, you know, even the document that we received that I was able to view, uh, there was a lot that was redacted in the document. And, you know, what I'm finding now is that the source, you know, there's a source, there's um, another whistleblower um, at this company. It does go back to Ukraine. It goes back to Burisma. But the point is, is that either which way these people, you know, I I do believe that they are potentially going to... When this comes out in further detail, um, it's very likely that they could potentially get killed. And that's not my only opinion. I mean, we're talking about corruption here at the highest levels, even at, in this instance, at the Ukrainian government. And so I just, it's really crazy to kind of see in real life because you'd figure this would come out of like a spy movie or something, but no, this is happening. And so it's interesting. You know, you heard Joe Biden, he was saying that, oh, it was a bunch of, quote-unquote malarkey, and he was laughing, but I don't know that he is aware of how much evidence we have against him, and so it's going to all come to light. Congresswoman,
2: thank you so much for joining us. If people want to follow you on social media and stay up to date with what you're working on and find out about the campaign, where can they find you?
6: Um, You can head over to my personal social media accounts at Real Ana Paulina, and if you Google, you can find out the campaign side.
2: (laughs) Thank you so much. You have a good Saturday. Okay, now I know we've really been teasing Annabella's story, (laughs) but we have to get through one more guest (laughs) before we get to Annabella. Thank you for, for sitting here with us. I feel so bad. But you will learn as this is your first time on War Room, when they give you a time and that's when you're supposed to be on give it about an hour and then that's when you'll actually get to talk. But in the meantime, and someone who knows that very well is our next guest, Dave Walsh, uh, future secretary of energy, a dear friend of the show and mine and his lovely, lovely, lovely wife who always keeps me up to date with the most breaking news. So you you married very well. But Dave... (laughs) We sort of got cut off, so I don't know exactly what you want to talk about. But you are the energy guy. You are uh, all things energy. So if you could sort of talk to us a little bit about these fires going on. I see a graph in the, the uh, viewfinder. What what the heck is going on?
7: Uh, morning, and thanks for having me. And I did marry up. Thank you, thank you. Um, uh, two things real quick. The The Canadian fires, here's a chart showing the area and the number of fires in canada from 1980 according to the canadian national fire database 43 years worth of data showing pretty much indisputably that this has nothing to do with climate change the trend in the episodic rate of these kinds of forest fires in canada is declining and the damage area caused by these fires is declining markedly over a 43 year period so there's nothing here because the CNFE data shows a continuing significant deflo- decline in the again the number of them and the discernible trend of burnout area. Now we're also hearing, not verified yet, but a lot of reports from satellite data of the many, 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 many different ignition points of these fires, looking like um, they may have been there may be some arson involved in them. So that's one thing I wanted to make mention of. There's no global warming here at this point, despite what mainstream is commenting on. And, uh, Natalie, second area is about the – we're we're heading into months away from California's imposition on January 1st, 24, of replacing all rail yard port distribution center trucks with electric trucks. This is about half a million each, would be 10,000 trucks a year as they're replaced. They must be replaced by electric vehicles. There is no charging infrastructure at the ports or distribution centers to deal with this. There is, more importantly – no fungible supply, ready supply of electric commercial electric trucks to begin with of this size to facilitate this kind of change. And thirdly, California already has a 34 percent electric shortage in that it imports 30 percent, 34 percent of its electricity. It is a major importer of that which they have uh, claimed is dirty, nuclear, coal, gas. They don't want a thing to do it. Therefore, they import already 34% of their electricity, and they want to use so much more of it. Now, um, by the way, uh, Nextera executives, who are the power company in Florida, claim that California is the model that they'd like to follow for the state here uh, with their all-solar plan for the next 25 years that will cost ratepayers about $420 billion that they've already rammed through to 24% increases on in this state for the solarization of Florida, a major donor to
1: Governor.
2: Can you walk us through that again specifically on the Florida link to California? You're saying that Florida energy well, executives, are you saying at the, the yeah, state government level are looking at to California as a model?
7: They, their executives have been heard in presentations to claim that California is a kind of a useful energy model and EV adoption model for the state of Florida. Uh, Why would they say this? Nextera is the world's leading uh, owner, developer, and investor in wind and solar farms on a non-regulated basis. Nextera came out of Florida Power and Light. Nextera owns Florida Power and Light. Nextera has put put forward for the state a a 90,000 megawatt or 1,200 square mile solarization plan for Florida over the next 20 years, augmented by 50,000 gigawatts of battery storage, that at present cost levels, according to the EIA data, would cost ratepayers about $420 billion over a 22-year period. Uh, Nextera does uh, supply electricity to about 60% of Floridians through its regulated territory and is a huge donor to Governor DeSantis. This company uh, kind of directs energy policy in Florida. The Public Service Commission has been voting consistently in support of their total solarization Florida had a tremendous reliability impact of state so we you know we're asking if there are DeSantis supporters out there please tell us what his energy policy actually is for the nation because the one being the one being imposed in Florida is a 100% solar battery storage china sourced uh, energy plan that's being enacted here by his large one of his largest corporate donors that's NextEra the energy the utility here that supports 60% of Floridians
2: I liked your diction where you said, uh, if there are any DeSantis supporters, oh. Dave Walsh, you always bring us the facts and the fire. Uh, last time I checked, California is not a, a role model for anything, and I say that as no. a proud California refugee. But Dave, we got to let you go, because we gotta, we got to go to break. So if people want to follow you and stay up to date, where can they find you?
7: On the, at Dave Walsh Energy on, on Getter and True Social. Captain Bannon and Natalie, thank you for having me.
2: Thank you, sir, for joining us in the War Room at the Young Women's Leadership Summit because why else wouldn't you have Dave Walsh on? Thank God (laughs) we have Annabella because I think without you, we wouldn't have had any... Young, young women,
6: women.
2: <laughs> you're you're a token young woman. I'm sorry to inform you that's the reason why
4: you got the gig. But diversity, diversity, equity, diversity, and higher. inclusion. Oh yes. So please st- stay tuned with us here. We are in Dallas at the Young Women's Leadership Summit. Natalie, myself, Annabella. We will also Natalie and I will also be speaking later Annabella. today. And Annabella's Annabella will too. be speaking. Tomorrow Tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning. So please stay tuned with us here at YWLS. We'll be back momentarily in the war room.
0: In my younger days, I was a naval officer on a destroyer. In fact, I was the A-gang officer in charge of all the engineering systems that were not main propulsion. And one of those was air purification. And I can tell you the standards of the United States Navy are second to none. You also receive a free air quality monitor, plus fast, free shipping. That's $150 savings right there. That's ekpure.com, code Steve. ekpure.com, code Steve.
1: Here's your host, Stephen K. Vance.
5: So this particular bill adds the very important factor that affirming a child's gender identity is in their best interest, which is what your question is about. Why does it get why does it actually say that in a, an affirmative way? And it really is because if you have a seven-year-old who's who's talking about having a potential to say, I being able to articulate that they believe that they are not the same gender um, as they are biologically, then it should be affirmed and through care, it should be determined. And that's what we did with our own child. And that would give the ability for a parent who wasn't sure to affirm and get their child the care that they need to make that so they can begin to articulate that determination. But by saying and rejecting it in wholesale, then you're essentially rejecting your child. And that is not in the best interest of a child. We should be affirming our children in every possible way and getting them whatever appropriate care they need, whether it's based on their gender, whether it's based on how their um, studies are in school, it doesn't matter, our children should be affirmed. And this is saying that you have to include gender affirmation as a part of it.
2: Trust the experts? I don't think so. That's a, a so-called expert expert witness talking about AB 597, which actually passed the California State Legislature and one of these state senators, uh, Anthony, Anthony or sorry, not Anthony Weiner, I'm confusing, <laughs> although for, for, Freudian slip, sort of accurate, Scott <laughs> Weiner um, amended it to make it so, if you don't affirm your child, like she said, and basically every single way ever, you could go to jail for child abuse. That's why the parental rights movement is, frankly, more important than ever. And talking about parental rights, you know, here at the War Room and a lot of the moms that come on the show to talk about what they're doing in the school boards with these children. Mm They say, no, no, the government does not get to raise my children. Uh, I do. do. and We obviously stand by that, and no amount of hate group designations from the Southern Poverty Law Center is going to change that, but Annabella, we now finally have the time to get to this whole deprogramming, really, what your parents had to do to really save their daughter, to get their daughter back, if you want to walk us in the audience through that.
3: I just want to say this bill is so alarming that you're being told you must affirm your child. The fact that my mother didn't affirm me and all my newfound identities is why I am here today. I was saved because of it. She consulted so many deprogrammers while I wasn't speaking to her and she had a vast array of advice, okay? One of the things she was told is that it takes about seven years total for someone to come out of a cult, which interestingly enough is about the timeline from when I started and from when I finally saw the light in 2020. She, some people told her, you know, just, yes, your daughter to death, but she knew in her gut that that wasn't the right thing to do. She knows who I am from my core. She raised me. She was like, this isn't my daughter. I'm not putting up with it. I'm not tolerating the way she speaks to me. I'm not accepting this nonsense that she's been oppressed when I've given her every opportunity and everything. You know, she's had the greatest life. We live in the most amazing country with so many freedoms. I'm putting my foot down. I'm not doing it. She risked our relationship. But she is so strong, and it 's the greatest thing she could have ever done for me is because it gave me the point where I was able to hit an emotional rock bottom I had cut myself off from my family. I was anxious, I was depressed, I turned to medication. I know i 've told you this sixty percent of millennials are taking some sort of drug every single day, the majority of which are taking anxiety or depression medication. I mean that in and of itself is a serious acad- epidemic I you know humbled myself, stopped taking anything, freed my mind, reconnected with God, and by doing that, I was able to reconnect with my family again. And slowly but surely, Start to listen. You know, it took time. I did a 12-step program. I was stubborn for a bit. You know, 2018 I did work on the Andrew Gillum campaign. I'm sorry. Don't hold we it against me. We forgive you. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we do But that's simultaneously to when I was getting sober and I had a clear mind and I really stressed that I was able to think clearly and make my own decisions again, um, an ability that had been robbed from me. You know, I was just regurgitating a narrative I was told in college. Um, so I mean twenty twenty is really when I when I saw the light and when I woke up and I was able to realize, okay, this doesn't make any sense, you know, BLM burning down businesses in the name of empowerment, that's not helping people. And I finally started started to listen and found some other some other sources.
2: I mean if you've ever doubted that we're in a spiritual war, I think your testimony is is, is proof that we are and that it's not even just confined to the borders. If we even have them anymore in the United States, but it's it's really a level of above, right? You know, you see the World Health Organization talking about how they're going to stop the next pandemic and all this craziness. Meanwhile, we have epidemics here, whether it's mental health, um, but I, I want to drill down because I know you have a new group, a new initiative that you're
3: working on. I believe it's called Exit. Am I correct? Yes. Femmex. It's the Fem-X. mass exodus from feminism. This is my little logo. We love <laughs> it. We hate feminism here <laughs> in the
2: war room. I feel like this is probably the first time the word feminism has ever been and set on the war room, so this is, this is pretty exciting news, obviously, we, we hate feminism, but if you wanna sort of walk us through really how, how you think these, whether it's the corporations, these kind of globalist groups like the World Economic Forum, the WHO, how they really play into the weaponization of feminism to whether it's destroy the nuclear family, get young girls away from God and hooked on drugs and alcohol and all these other horrible things, what, what do you think you know, we are up against when it, when it comes to looking at the behemoth, the Leviathan, that is this, this horrible movement?
8: Mm.
3: You know, young women, as young women, we are told, be the man you want to marry. You know, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. These are things, I mean, I had, people have this on posters in their rooms, in their dorm rooms, and instead of being taught that we should be divine feminine, that men and women create the perfect symbiosis that first and foremost, we're children of God. You know, we aren't actually what we look like. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And feminism has robbed us of the ability to really tap into that, and I think the destruction of family is, is the first step, right? You know, like I said, I was told to kind of fight my family to be so radically independent that I don't need to lean on anyone. What kind of existence is that? Like, Why can't we be a community? Why can't we have family and also have interests and have jobs outside of the household? You know, We are modern, but let's not, let's not embrace this narrative that in order to be equal to men, we have to be men we already are. In the eyes of God, we are equal to men, and we have achieved everything legally that we wanted to achieve.
4: So I know how you you talked about, you know, they were pushing, you don't need a man, but tell us a little bit about pushing about having kids. I'm guessing that they pushed to not have kids because that's a way for them to destroy the nuclear family, is if they're not encouraging people to get married and procreate.
3: That's such a good question. I mean... I know personally, as a young woman, I was told it's no big deal freezing your eggs. It's no big deal waiting. You can have a child, you know, in your 40s. And there are exceptions. Some women do. But the idea that you have to put a career first and foremost before your personal life, my feeling is pursue both. With an equal amount of energy, pursue your career and pursue a par- pursue your career. Sorry, and pursue a partner at the same time. Those do not have to be mutually exclusive. I think let's take the best of you know second wave feminism and bring it in, and bring it into modern times. But reject this idea that we can't have kids, that we can't be married, that we have to be so independent. Are women happier? Are 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 women that don't have families and don't have children? I mean. A child is your legacy. I am my, my mother's legacy. I'm able to stand here and, and say all the amazing things that she did for me. And, you know, a career is also rewarding. But I think at the end of the day, you know, family is first and foremost. And young women are being driven away from that. And it's, it's disturbing. And what exactly does your group, FEMEX, want to do to get involved to really combat this? It's just spreading these ideas of reject this idea that you have to be a man that you have to be the man you want to marry you know embrace your femininity embrace your your female community but also let's talk together how we can how we can date how we can also balance you know family career all of the things that encompass being really well rounded
2: well, I think we have hit the, uh, the woman's hour of the war room. This is breaking news. We've introduced uh, a new segment. This is even getting, getting a little, uh, estrogen heavy for me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm sure the war room posse is, uh, is enjoying this, but it's, it's important stuff. Um, you know, I, I have to say, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but as I have told you, Annabella is, is a dear friend of mine, and I got to talk to Steve about it. But we've been talking about maybe starting a, a little bit of a podcast, obviously. We want to compete with Warren, but of our own to talk about issues like this. So I know the men in the Warren audience probably wouldn't be too into it, but hey, you, nev- you never know. Maybe they have um, daughters. But if the women are, maybe they have daughters, wives, sisters, the, the whole thing. You know, feel free to leave a comment on the, the rumble clip that this will appear in, or, or reach out to me on Twitter, or, or Annabella too, but you did say you're, you're speaking here. Yes. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow at correct. 11, I'm on a panel, Make Cancelled Cool Again. We're in the business of making things cool again here in the <laughs> war room, and including cancel culture. And is this your first Turning Point uh, event that you've been to, or?
3: This is my first summit, yes.
2: Okay, well, this is, this is actually my first uh, young, young Women's Leadership Summit. Mine as well. Summit. Yeah. You know, the, the women's leadership to me is a little paradoxical. I won't get started on my thoughts on the, the 19th Amendment. I was looking forward to having Steve come on the show today because I was, uh, was going to ask him about that. But unfortunately, uh, we, we had to digress. I told you we've, we've hit the women's hour. This is where you now get the real raw... And unfettered me. Um, But like I said, Mo and I are going to be speaking sort of shortly. uh, But in the next block, we may have Congressman... And it's funny, I used to always say Congresswoman, but then my old editor, Rahim Kassami, said, Natalie, it's not Congresswoman, it's Congressman, even if they're a woman. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I sound like I'm misgendering
4: them. My dad says the same thing, because I would say Congresswoman Anna Paulina Luna or Lauren Boebert, and he'd be like, no, it's congressmen.
2: Yeah, see, you, you learn things in, in the war room, and I have to say, we are honored to work at a company war room where I feel very supported by your, your dad, um, but I want to... I want to tie this all all in because I, I think, and if you guys have anything to say, please join in. I feel like this is the Natalie Winters Hour, which I don't know <laughs> if anyone uh, signed up for that. Um, but you know, I, I remember when I was younger, when I was you know, 16, there was a lot of talk about feminism and why you shouldn't be a feminist because the values that they held, they weren't real, right? They weren't rooted in reality. The gender pay gap wasn't, wasn't real. And that's great, and I think it's important to have discussions like that, but I think what we're talking about here and really what your group is doing and sort of the the bigger idea is that it's not just that feminism, don't even know how to say it since I'm so opposed to it, Mm -hmm. is a byproduct of some rogue left-wing activists, Mm -hmm. right? It is a systematic campaign being pushed by the furthest and most fringe elements of the globalist apparatus that is the World Economic Forum, that is the World Health Organization, that is the United Nations, because they don't believe in the power of the family structure. Just like they want to override and subvert the borders here in the United States, they they don't believe in national sovereignty. They don't believe in individual sovereignty and autonomy over your own body, and they believe in the destruction of the nuclear family. And by the way, you're going to tell me that WHO pandemic treaty that they are doing everything to ram through whether they're using whether it's through Joe Biden, whether it's through the NDAA, whether it's through treaties that the, con- that the Congress doesn't even have to ratify. You're not going to tell me that they're not going to weaponize those emergency health powers to try to implement these these ridiculously far left, really anti-humanity social agendas and social
4: policies. That's exactly what they want to do. What they, it, this whole pandemic was about, right, and they 're tie in with big pharma too to push medicine, like you were saying mm-hmm. I think you said sixty eight or Sixty eight percent of millennials, which is my generation and it 's just extremely alarming that they 're on meds, and big pharma is pushing that, and it 's not just big pharma on their own they 're all tied in together, pushing. As many people as possible to be on meds for things we need to get to the underlying root Mm -hmm. of the problem like what is the mental health issue not let's push more meds to combat that so it's a band-aid yeah it's a public
2: public private sector merger you obviously the government's pushing it and then they have their allies in this corporatist statist let's call it what it is fascist Mm left-wing government They're being used as foot soldiers to carry out this really just completely evil and sinister agenda but we're here in dallas texas with a bunch of people like annabella rockwell and believe me there are many more though you're wonderful and you're my friend you're unique but many more people who have the same spirit of fighting just like her behind us in that room mo
4: you want to take us out yes annabelle how do they get in contact with you if they want to
3: Sure, you can follow me on social media. It's just my name, or you can email me directly, Annabella at AnnabellaRockwell.com.
4: And stay tuned for the War Room here in Dallas.
0: CovidTaxRelief.org got a small retail business almost eighty thousand dollars. CovidTaxRelief.org got a manufacturing business nearly two hundred and fifty grand, and CovidTaxRelief.org just got a large distribution business almost. $900,000. If you run a business, church, or nonprofit and paid your employees through all or part of the pandemic, you could qualify for up to $26,000 per employee through the government's CARES Act. But beware of clickbait or pay upfront companies who make you do the work and take a huge percentage of your refund. COVIDTaxRelief.org receives a low reasonable commission only after you receive your refund. And with 300 CPAs and tax experts, no one is better at getting you the maximum benefit than COVIDTaxRelief.org. Visit COVIDTaxRelief.org now because this plan expires soon. That's COVIDTaxRelief.org, COVIDTaxRelief.org. The refund examples are not a guarantee, and not all businesses qualify. That's why you have to check today with COVIDTaxRelief.org. From the
1: beginning, but... Questions swirl around President Biden's handling of classified documents.
8: Found in President Biden's garage. Multiple classified documents.
1: You and
7: the former president are both now under investigation by the Justice Department. But they didn't indict
1: Biden. Instead, Biden's DOJ went after Trump. Anything to block him from becoming president again. Stand with President Trump against Biden's corruption. Make America Great Again, Inc. is responsible for the content of this advertising. Tweeted, I call on my Republican
7: colleagues not to weaponize Congress to the benefit of a man at the expense of our republic. Uh, Liz Cheney had said something similarly a, a year ago, saying that Donald Trump will ultimately be gone. But you who support him, uh, the stain on your history will remain.
8: Yes. You know, sometimes when I'm on the weaponization committee, I have to look across at my colleagues on the other side of the dais. And I think, do they really believe this? Are, are they absolutely uh, have drank? so much Kool-Aid that they fall fallen in line with this, or they're just saying it to retain power. And I think for each one of them, it's a little different. But there are some true believers in there who believe that Donald Trump speaks for them. And it's really about their own personal grievances, um, issues of racism that we see in this country, feeling that they're going to be, quote, replaced, uh, so that they do not want regular Americans to have the full benefits of our Constitution. And so it's for us, for you, you're doing it here on the air. Regular Americans do it at the voting booth and us in Congress have to do it as being truth sayers and being a block on the scourge on our Ready? democracy.
2: We got Boebert in the house. That's a happy way to end that pretty horrific cold opening. Thank you so much for joining us. So happy to be here. This is an amazing weekend. I
9: love what Turning Point does. We are at the Young Women's Leadership Summit, and I'm just so grateful to be here. Uh, I love the work that Charlie is doing, and I love what you guys
2: are doing, too, in the War Room. Of course, we, we try hard. You know, they used to say no women in the war room, but look how far we've <laughs> Look come. at this. Look at this. But wait, I have to say... We Bannon's daughter in the house. That's it's amazing. <laughs> I would say you you hold your own, though. I always look at, you know, how people are voting, and obviously Grace Chong, the war room policy, they're always putting out the way people are voting on the debt ceiling, right. the rules, votes, everything. And you are always on the right side of history, so thank you for doing that. Yes. You know, that's important.
9: Um, a lot of people want to criticize um, dramatic steps that are taken, um, but I would rather... Um, um, leave knowing I did everything
2: um, in my power to do exactly what's right. Exactly. And we were talking yesterday, we were sort of tying the debt ceiling bill to the indictment of Trump. In other mm. words, how the House basically gave away all their leverage, yes. right? And when you embolden the deep state, when you know that they can get away with whatever they want to do, and we're the ones signing the check, yes, right? Do you think that there's some, obviously we here at The War room subscribe to the thought that there is overlap between you guys getting your hands on the 1023 form and yes. the indictment of Trump dropping. I see that as well. Yeah, but walk, walk us through, you think, the timing of this, why now, and especially where you guys stand on the 1023 form. Yes, well, first of all, with the debt
9: ceiling deal, I mean, this just shows um, that the Uniparty is alive and well, and um, that muscle memory is real in Washington, D.C. We fought hard in January to change the way Congress operates, and— Now we are seeing how easy it is for these mainstream Republicans to just fall back to the way things have always been. Um, Obviously, we went into a skiff and viewed the 1023 documents um, with Hunter Biden and, more importantly, Joe Biden um, with a $5 million bribery, um, and it's laid out in plain English. This is an FBI document by an FBI source, their most trusted, most reliable source, um, so much that they don't even want to release this unclassified document to the American people because they fear his life would be in. Danger, and he's actually very important to them and, and other investigations that they have going on. Um, but uh, we, we go into a skiff, we start seeing what we uh, have, we start speaking about what we read in that skiff, and uh, then they indict President Trump. You know, President Trump has been um, really on the um, bad end of a lot of the Biden deals. Um, so, first of all, we see President Trump impeached over this very bribe, this $5 million bribe. Um, he's going after Vic- Victor uh, Stoken, and um, he says, hey, I, I kind of want you guys to look into this. A- perfect phone call and uh, then he gets impeached for it and then he's impeached again over um, January 6th, and you know Nancy Pelosi and her daughter doing their documentary whatever that was about uh, but but then we see his home raided for um, these uh, classified documents that he as a president had the authority to declassify and they're screaming espionage um, and so they raid his home and now he's being indicted for that the very day that members 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 of the oversight committee were able to view these documents and see that Joe Biden was, in fact, a
2: a part of a $5 million bribery scheme. And walk us through one thing. I wish we had more time with you, but Steve has always said something doesn't smell right when it comes to Ukraine, right? There's Mm. something that is the thing itself going on there. Do you think, obviously, it's no, no conspiracies, only coincidences? That's the only thing I disagree with Steve on. I think there are conspiracies and not coincidences. But do you think do you think that the fact that that document has to do with Ukraine how do you think that impacts the Biden regime's approach to the Ukraine right. war? Well, um, I think many of us have been
9: saying um, that there is something very corrupt going on with the payments that are being made to Ukraine, the hundreds of uh, billions of dollars that have been sent over to Ukraine. It's its not about democracy. It's not about liberating a country. Um, it feels more like money laundering than anything. And after viewing these documents and seeing how many times Ukraine is listed, Burisma is listed, Hunter Biden um, even quotes saying, um, we know he's not smart, referring to Hunter Hunter Biden, We know he's stupid, but it's okay, his, his dad will take care of it. Um, this is a big problem. He was then vice president of the United States. It's
2: not foreign aid, I think it's taxpayer-funded bribery. Congresswoman, if people want to follow you and and stay up to date with when you're speaking and all things wonderful that you do, where can they find you? Uh, Natalie, uh, all of your viewers here, the posse, can find me
9: on Twitter, at Lauren Boebert. Please follow me. There's a lot of things going on. We're seeing that the Pentagon is um, now surveilling members of Congress, including myself, um, because they see us as a threat, at Lauren Boebert. We are rolling out information as we get it, explanations to what you were seeing in the House, and how us conservatives in the House, more importantly, um, those of us in the group of 20 that took a stand in the beginning of the Congress, are now taking control of the House floor and the legislative business as we continue to hold the floor.
2: Of course, the Pentagon thinks you're a threat. You and your wonderful colleagues like Matt Gates are getting all the drag shows canceled. So. <laughs> That's right. They would have no weekend plans Oh, now. no, they want freedom <laughs> for Americans. What is this? Congresswoman, thank you so much for joining Thanks, us. Thanks,
4: Natalie. Thank you. And you can see Congressman Bobert speaking today, I believe. And then Natalie and I are speaking at 2.15. We're doing a breakout session. Tune in and my dad will be back live in the war room on Monday. So tune in to that. We're here in Dallas.
0: Veterans, you know, we have been all over the supply chain issue with China and medications and the uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients. China has a stranglehold on us. Where well, there's a way to break that. Jace Medical. I got an emergency medication kit from them. The FDA just declared a global sh- shortage of medication and warned that critical antibiotics are in extreme short supply across the United States. But you know that because you're a viewer or listener of this show. Now, here's the action you can take to correct. Do yourself and your family a favor and get your Jace case right now. It's a pack of five prescription antibiotics you'll have on hand for common emergencies. Just visit JaceMedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, JaceMedical.com. Take a few minutes and fill out the form. Your information will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. You'll be glad you have the Jace case